good morning. How's everybody doing? So good to, to be here to share with you. Happy Mother's Day to everybody. Um, my sisters, I think, are tuning in online, and so I just wanted to prove something to them real quick, and you guys are my witnesses, okay? So, uh, All right, so all of you are my witnesses. No, just uh, happy Mother's Day to everybody. I used to wear that shirt, and then I realized that was not my mom's favorite. So, uh, but uh, but I, I'm still in counseling for that as well. But anyway, again, my name is Stephen. So excited to share with you this morning. Just uh, uh, just some things that God's just laid on my heart about as we start this new series, "Strong Women of the Bible." And when I think about that word "strong," one of the things that made me, as I was singing that song. God of revival. What that song means for us is that we need strong people that are willing to step up and step out and go outside these four walls and want to make a difference. Can everybody say amen? amen? That's what it's about. And the joy that I get to be on staff and to serve with this, mo this amazing team is that every week since I've been here, just about, we have seen people walk through the baptismal waters with life changes taking place, which tells me that revival is going to happen. It's going to happen. And that's what's so cool about what God is doing here. And so I'm thankful to fill in for Pastor Rocky this morning. If you're here visiting, come back next week. Uh, he'll be back, and he would love the opportunity to meet you and to share with you. But as we start this new series, Strong Women of the Bible, I want us to listen real quick to the word strong. Now, when you think of that word strong, what is it, just what comes to your mind? Now, I automatically go to a bodybuilder. I get this picture of a big guy working out. As you can tell, that's not me, right? Why is that so funny, all right? But when I think about the word strong, I think about people, and, and for me, it's always been this. I have broken that word down. Some people who can take the pressures of the world and not give in to the world. Does everybody understand? That's what it means to be strong. When the pressures of the world are just piling up and coming down on you, you do not give in to it. That is somebody who is strong. And what we're going to be looking at in this series, we're going to be looking at people who were strong. And so we're going to be looking this morning at Sarah. Now, Sarah's mentioned in the Bible more times than anybody else female-wise, more than Mary, the mother of Jesus. So it tells you that she's really important. Sarah was very important. She's mentioned in uh, Hebrews 11, which is called the Faith Hall of Fame. I don't know about you, but I love Hebrews 11, right? It talks about all these people who had this amazing faith, who lived it out in their walk. She was a woman who was characterized by, listen to these characteristics right here. She was somebody who had humility, meekness, hospitality, faithfulness. She had a deep affection for her husband, a sincere love towards God, and a hope that never died. She was truly an extraordinary woman who also had imperfections. Did y'all catch that? Now, we love, we get, we're a society, a culture that gets caught up in all those other words. Hey, I want to be known as somebody who has humility and has meekness and all these type of things. But she also had imperfections. And I think the reason we relate so much to Sarah is because I have imperfections. Anybody else have imperfections? Just me? All right. I need y'all to talk to me then. But we have imperfections. Sarah had imperfections. And we can all agree that when we look in the mirror, we see imperfections. We see, maybe it's not from the physical thing, but we can see that our hearts are not in the right place. We have imperfections because we're pulled by sin in a direction that we don't need to go. Now, I can also see the physical thing. When I turn around, I got a big bald spot that showed up. All right? 
But what Sarah here, she struggled. She was an extraordinary woman, but she was also flawed, who was stubborn, short-tempered, and acting impulsively, and so are we. That's who we are. And that's why we identify so much with her. Because we see a lot of ourselves in her. And that, you know, when we read about her story, and we're going to dive into it here in just a minute. She was strong because of what God was doing in her life. That is the same thing for us. God is at work. And here's where we're going. If you don't hear anything else, this is our main point today. God's timing is never late. Can we say amen to that? God's timing is never late. He doesn't miss an appointment. He doesn't show up five minutes late. His timing is perfect. He's never late. And that's what I love about this story. And the reason that we all relate to her is from the outside, Sarah looked like she had a good life, right? I mean, she was married to Abraham, and uh, she had everything that she needed. But she, from the outside, it all looked good. But on the inside, she was struggling with something really deep. And I think we as church, church and as Christians, we do that a lot. We dress up the part, we play the part, but really there's a lot of struggle and there's a lot of hurt deep down inside of us, right? Y'all, if we can't be real inside here, we're never going to be real outside there. Does everybody understand that? Like we got to get it right here first so we could take the most incredible message outside the four walls. But it starts. And so here's Sarah. She had this unmet desire. She had this thing that was going on in her life and she struggled with it. And I can relate to Sarah because there's been some unmet desires in my life before. And I've struggled with it. And I prayed and I prayed and I prayed. I was like, where's God at in all of this? Where's God? And as we talk about mothers and families as they struggle with, you know, uh, having kids and all those type of things, Sarah had this unmet desire that she struggled with because her identity, everything that she was, her identity being married to Abraham was that she would be able to provide a family for him. And so she had this unmet desire as year after year after year went on and this never happened. It tells us in Genesis 11.30, let's read it, it'll be on the screen here. Genesis 11.30, it says, Sarah wasn't able to conceive, she did not have child. In the word of God, we learn that she can't have children and for her, that was an unmet desire. Morgan and I have some friends uh, years ago, some friends that we all hung out with and we all got married about the same time, and then uh, upon the process, they decided they wanted to start having children. So they started trying, and nothing would happen, and nothing was going on, and nothing was going They started seeing doctors. And then the rest of us that were hanging out with them, we decided we were going to have children. So Morgan and I met, and we were like, okay, I think we're ready to do this. That was, that was not right. None of us are ever ready, right? Like when you have a kid, you're like, what happened, you know? And so uh, we decided that, hey, it was a time for us to start trying. We went to the doctor. The doctor said, hey, six months to a year. Y'all could probably start having children. Six months later, Morgan comes to me and says, I'm pregnant. I said, the doctor's fired, right? I'm done with that doctor. But she came to us and we were, we were pregnant. And our friends continued to hang out with us as we all went through this process. They were not having, they were not able to get pregnant. So they had this unmet desire, but they still hung around all of us. Even when we had children, they kept them for us. They fed them for us. They changed their diapers. They did all these things. But they had this unmet desire. Y'all, I love this story when I think about it because that's who Sarah was. Sarah was somebody who had this unmet desire. She was tortured by her childlessness. This ate at her and she spent years in the grip of frustration. Can we all admit that we have had something happen in our life that has had this grip on us and we have been caught in frustration? 
that we really believe that this should happen for us, this should really take place. God, if he really loves us, he'll do this for us. And then because it doesn't happen when we want it to happen, we get frustrated. I know that's happened in my life quite a bit. And so I relate to Sarah in a lot of ways because I say, wait a minute. Here she was, tortured by our childlessness, and this ate at her. So we're going to look at the 411 on Sarah real quick, and then I just want to share a couple of things that God laid on my heart. So this is going to go hopefully pretty quick. Sarah means princess. Now listen to this. She would become the mother of all nations. So we know the story gets better, right? She couldn't have children, but we know that she's eventually get the name the mother of all nations. That's a lot of kids, right? There's a lot. So God's going to do something pretty amazing. She marries Abraham. There's a 10-year age difference. Hey, I married a younger lady. She's five years younger than me. Keeps me young, right? Um, so here we got, uh, we got Abraham and Sarah married, 10-year 10 10 age difference. God makes a covenant, all right? So God makes a covenant with Abraham. He says, I'm going to give you all this land. I'm going to give you descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky. And then from one of these descendants, the Messiah is going to come, right? Now, that's Abraham's probably like, yeah, I'm going to get all this. Sarah's over there flipping out, right? Because here's this covenant that's been given to Abraham, and Sarah's like, wait a minute. I've already, I can't have children. Would y'all imagine there's a lot of pressure there? A lot of pressure on her. And so we move on in the story there. There's a famine that breaks out, and so Abraham and them move their family. They're going to go to Egypt, and when they get there, uh, before they get there, we already know that Sarah's beautiful. I mean, she was just beautiful. Uh, and, and so Abraham's worried about this a little bit. So he says, hey, listen, when we get there, everybody's going to notice you. They're going to want you. They're going to kill me so they can have you. Can you say you're my sister? Now. If we get into Genesis and really break it down, there's some relation there, and then we're not, we don't have time to get all into that, okay? But they, he goes, will you just say that you're my sister? Now, let's see what it says in Genesis right here. In Genesis 12, it says, um, and when Abram entered, now Abram would become Abraham, entered Egypt, the Egyptians saw the woman was very beautiful. So he was right on money, right? He was like, I know how beautiful she is, okay? So... Pharaoh gets word of how beautiful she is. He, he comes and invites her to his house. She stays there. And during this time, Abraham gets blessed by that. He receives possessions and land and all these type of things. And so he prospers from this. And then eventually, Pharaoh finds out, wait a minute, this is your wife? I thought she was your sister. Um, we got a reality show going on, right? And so what does he do? He sends her back to Abraham. And so they leave. And at, at 75 years of age, everybody say 75. At 75, she is despaired. Sarah is despaired about ever becoming a mother. And she decides to take matters into her own hands. Have any of you ever decided to say, wait a minute. God, since you're taking so much time, I've got a plan that's really good. Anybody? Okay, I have. They don't work out. So she comes up with this plan and she says, hey, wait a minute, God, I can help you out. I'll help you out. So she goes and she comes up with this crazy, incredible plan, right? She requests Abraham to have a child with her servant, Hagar. Now, men, what part of this story makes any sense to you, right? Like, let's go have a child with another and we're still going to make all this work. Now, in their, in their, in their time, in, those, in their history and those type of things, this just kind of said, okay, if you can't have children, then we can find other ways to do this. But what this shows me is that this plan was not of God. 
Does everybody understand that? This was not a plan of God. This plan was immoral, unrighteous, and utterly foolish. And she persuaded Abraham to go along with it, right? We men. Yeah, that sounds like a great idea, right? And so it sounds like when I read that, what it makes me believe is the world that we live in today. What happened here in Scripture, God's Word, when we open the Word to Genesis, what we read here, it's immoral, unrighteous, and utterly foolish. And I believe it's the way that we live today. If we've taken sin, we have allowed sin to enter into our lives, and we say, God, I can help you out. Let me show you how it's done. And so the world we live in is immoral, it's foolish, and it's unrighteous, and then we get other people to join us, right? Come on, I need some friends to go with me. I, you know, I've, I've sinned a lot and I've messed up a lot, but I've never done a lot of sin by myself. Everybody understand that? I always try to bring somebody else along. And so when I read this, we're always trying to persuade people to come into us and, and, and come to us. And, and Sarah had this plan. She was like, listen, this is going to work and I'm going to be able to provide and all those type of things. And it just didn't work out. And Abraham should have done the right thing from the start. He should have done the right thing from the start. And, and when I think about that, and, and then we move forward in Genesis, we move to Genesis 18 where it says, okay, the Lord appears to Abraham with two angels, okay? So Ab uh, Abraham's there, the Lord appears to him, two angels come with him. Abraham runs over to him and says, hey, won't you guys come back to my place? I'll prepare this incredible meal for you. And they say, of course, let's go. So they go back and automatically Abraham goes to Sarah. Hey, listen, we need to stop whatever we're doing. I need you to jump in. We need to prepare the best for them. The Lord is here. And here's what I love about Sarah. She drops everything. Why? Because she was a submissive wife to her husband. She was willing to do whatever it took to take care of Abraham. And even on such a short notice, she was willing to do whatever it took. So, but in Genesis 18, this is, then the Lord said, after they had meal, I will certainly come back to you in about a year's time. What's the word there? A year, right? One year. I will come back in a year's time and your wife, Sarah, will have a son. What? Here they are. This is all she's ever wanted. And God says, makes this promise. In about a year's time, your wife, Sarah, will have a son. Now, Sarah was listening, of course. She was eavesdropping, right? She was eavesdropping. She's like, wait a minute, what's he saying? Right? So she hears all this is taking place. But look on what she says. As she's at the entrance of the tent, Abraham and Sarah were. All right. They were old and getting on up in years. Now we know the body changes as we get up in years, right? She knows that the age that she's at, this is probably not a reality. Sarah had passed the, time, the age of childbearing, so she did what? What's that word there? She laughed. And y'all, I would imagine it was this kind of laugh as she's eavesdropping through the tent. She was like. <laughs> you know, like, when you hear something that just sounds outrageous, you're like, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> you know, like, it's a, that sounds like a sick laugh right there. But so she laughed to herself and then listen to what she says. After I am worn out and my Lord is old. You never want your wife to say those words about you, right? No, listen, she says, after I am worn out, she knows that she is past childbearing. And my Lord is old. She knows that Abraham is old and 
Will I have delight? So she calls him old and no fun, all right? But look what she says. She said she was a submissive wife. She called him Lord because he was the head of her and their household. And I love that when it says Lord right there, it's not a big L, it's a, it's a lowercase L. Don't miss that. But listen in verse 14. Verse 14, it says this. Sarah laughs. God calls her out. She denies it because she's afraid. And God asks her anything. Listen, this is the truth today. Is anything impossible with God? Is anything impossible with God? This amazing moment where she's hurt, she's finally going to have children in a year's time. He says it. But then he says, is anything impossible for God? I don't know what you're going through this morning, but I know you, I want you to know this. There is nothing that's impossible with God. He can take what's barren and make it alive. And so what he tells Sarah says, listen, in a year's time, I'm coming back. So we move ahead to Genesis 20, 21, and it says this. The Lord came to Sarah as he said, because God is a God we can trust his promises, right? The Lord came to Sarah and he said, and said, and had said, and the Lord did for Sarah what he had promised. Sarah became pregnant. Now, who at the age of 90 wants that to take place, right? Any of you ladies say amen? No, right? Lord, don't let anything like that happen this week, okay? But if you think about it, God shows up in his timing. Listen, he's never late. He showed up on his time and, and when he needed to for his purpose. And at the age of 90, Abraham's 100, she's pregnant. And listen what it says in verse 6. God has made me laugh and everyone who hears will laugh with me. She named her son Isaac, meaning laughter. And y'all, what I love here, she confesses the laughter that she did just a few verses before at the tent. When God called her out, she confesses. And now this laughter is a joy. It's a joy, right? Her laughter before was an unbelief. Her laughter now is a joy. Y'all, we find strength in that. Because we allow unbelief so much to rule our lives. What we find from Sarah is like God has showed up and he's promised. And listen, now there's a laughter of joy. So in her life and all those years of frustration, setbacks, struggles, and discouragement, was now filled with joy because God has blessed her. Because nothing's impossible with God. Nothing is impossible with God. So what does she teach us? Three things I want to share with you really quick. What do we learn from Sarah? How do we see that she's strong? Because here, true faith is found in waiting. Can we say amen? amen. True faith is found in waiting. Faith won't always make sense to us. It's not supposed to make sense with us. That's why it's called faith. And waiting for me is one of the most aggravating things. I have a hard time. When I'm in Chick-fil-A line for more than seven minutes, I'm frustrated. Because they are supposed to have it right. But we get frustrated and waiting. And could you imagine Sarah who had been waiting all these years to be able to say, I'm pregnant. I have a son. And what we learn from her is that true faith is found in waiting for the fulfillment. Don't miss this. True faith is found in the fulfillment of God's purpose and God's timing. Whose purpose? Not yours, but God's purpose and in God's timing. Everybody understand that? Like, it's not our purpose. It's God's purpose and it's in his timing. That's what Sarah teaches us. Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. 
But while we are waiting, listen, what, what it says to us is that while we are waiting, we must be obeying. Sarah stumbled, she fell, she made a lot of mistakes, but in that process, God was molding her and making her into the woman she needed to be. He didn't need her to have a baby at the age of 50. He needed it to be at 90. For us, it may not be something we need at 28 or 35 or 45. It may be at 65 and 75. Because God's never going to let us down. He's always going to show up. Hebrews 11, 11 says this, that Sarah had a faith that was bigger than her doubts. How many of us doubt before? Don't raise your hand, but we doubt before. We have to have a faith that's bigger than our doubts. She believed that God would do a miracle. Listen to this. Unbelief asked this question, how can this be? But faith asked, how shall this be? You want to know how it will be? Because God says it. God says it will be because I spoke it. She waited 25 years. Some of us won't wait 25 minutes. We won't wait 25 minutes for something. Here she waited 25 years. Isaiah 40, 31 says, those who wait upon the Lord will get new strength. They will rise up with wings like eagles. They will run and not get tired. They will not, be, not become weak. Aren't you so glad that we have that strength this morning? The second thing I take from her is that Sarah had a confidence not just found in her outer appearance, but in her imperishable inner beauty. We know that she was beautiful on the outside, but what God saw in something, God saw something inside of her, and it was her heart. He saw that he could mold and shape her, and there was a beautiful heart there. She had been set apart for God's purpose. I don't know about you, but I want to be set apart for God's purpose, right? Sign me up, where do I go? I want to be a part of God's purpose. Use me, call me, I want to go. God saw something in Sarah, and he was going to set her apart for his purpose, not of that of the world. God saw an inner beauty, and I want you to know this today, that God sees an inner beauty in each and every, inside of every one of you. But you got to be willing to surrender your life to him. It can't be about you and what you want. And in 1 Peter 3, 4, Peter's given some instructions here for Christian wives, to the, for those that have unbelieving, unbelieving husbands. But what he says here in verse 3, 4, it says, Don't let your beauty consist of outward things like elaborate hairstyles or wearing gold jewelry or fine clothes, but rather what's on the inside of the heart. Where at? On the inside of the heart. The imperishable quality of a gentle and quiet spirit. Y'all, what does that mean right there? What is he saying? A gentle and quiet spirit, this is why I think, Sarah, one that is calm and self-controlled. I want a woman who's calm and self-controlled. One that's not over-anxious. I get anxious enough. I need somebody to pull me back down. And one that is spiritually mature. I can't tell you how many times I've gone to my wife and she said, have you prayed about it? And I went back to my prayer closet. You know? Somebody that's willing to lead. And what Peter is saying here is that we must pay attention, not only on the way that we take care of our outside, but we also have to take care of the heart. If we spend more time taking care of the outside, it's not what God wants. We have to make sure that we take just as much time taking care of the heart and making sure that we are in line with what God wants us to do. I was asked this question, I was talking to a pastor friend of mine this week as we were talking about this a little bit, and he said, Stephen, I would ask you to 
take time and just say, how, how much time do you spend getting ready every day? He goes, now, do you spend that much time with God? I was like, man, bad connection, you know, like, because it's a reality. Y'all, we have to make sure that we are taking care of the inside. And what God saw inside of Sarah is like, listen, you have an inner beauty as well. You have an inner beauty. Glamour is artificial and external, and true beauty is real and internal. And true beauty is that that grows more wonderful years past. Do y'all realize this story started young and now they're old? And every year it got stronger and stronger and stronger because God was at work doing incredible things in her life. And here's the last thing. She was committed. She was committed to following God. She was committed to her husband and to following God. Even though they made some mistakes along the way and even though they tripped up and stuff, she stayed committed through the process. She was committed. She supported Abraham and all his wild ideas. Now, ladies, let's just go ahead and say our husband comes up with, they come up with some crazy ideas, right? Right? Maybe it's just me, okay? But we come up with some crazy ideas. I know over the years, 22 years, I've gone up to Morgan. I was like, hey, I get a call. We moved around to a few churches. And I would say, let's go. And she would be like, okay, you want to know why? Because she supported me. She was committed to me. And she said, as you are the head of this family, I am committed to you. And in 1 Peter 3, 6, it says this right here. Just as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him, what was the word again? Lord, with a little L, all right, don't get, Lord, you have become her children when you do what is good and do not fear any intimidation. Y'all, the world is going to tell you that you shouldn't even hear these things, believe these things. But in what he's talking about here, Peter insists that Sarah obeyed Abraham and called him Lord because she put her trust in God, not Abraham. Does everybody understand that? She put her trust in God, not Abraham. Sarah was being a godly, submissive wife who showed her husband honor and respect. Now, listen, I said that word submissive, and some of you have tuned me out already because here's the deal. When you hear that word, our culture and our world has made it a bad word. We make it a word where we feel like we're being stepped on or we're not being appreciated or, you know, all these different things. But what he is saying here, what Peter is saying to us, he's talking about various levels of spiritual authority. He was talking here how the husband is to be the head of the home. And as that, he submits to Christ, his wife should submit to him. Everybody understand that? As your husband submits to Christ, you should submit to him. And listen, he's not talking about dictatorship. What he's talking about is leadership. We men, husbands, we have to lead in a way that we follow after Christ. And in response, our wives should submit themselves to us because we lead them in a way that is towards Christ. It's leadership. And that's what we're called to do. Women like Sarah who make a choice and refuse to give in to fears about being provided for or personal worth or what they feel will be like her. They will be strong who realize that God is always at work and that nothing is impossible with him. But you have to be willing to say, I surrender to that. I surrender to that. And y'all, when we think about Sarah in the story, she was committed to her husband. She was willing to give everything to him. 
And so in closing, I, what does all this mean? When we talk about Sarah being a strong woman, here's what we take from it. She learned that God's timing is never late. His timing is never late. And so in that process, she learned to have more faith. She learned to have a confidence, not in her outer beauty, but her inner beauty. And she learned the price of being committed. That's what she learned. And y'all, because of that, what did God do? He showed up. He showed out. And through her, changed the world. Nothing is impossible this morning. That's the reality. That's what made her strong. She didn't give in to the pressure of the world. Now, she stumbled. So do we. She fell. She messed up. She jumped in front of God. But God still used her. Aren't you guys excited that God's going to use us? I am. That God is going to use us. God's timing is never late. Have faith, have confidence, and stay committed because nothing is impossible with God. That's the story of Sarah. God used her. She became the mother of nations. And so back to my story at the beginning with my friends. As we learned about Sarah and she never gave up and God made a promise to her. My friends called us about three, three and a half years ago. And uh, we all have moved away a little bit, so we don't get to see each other as much as possible. But I knew in the process they had been trying still to have kids. And it had brought um, some, some rough patches in their marriage. There was fighting. There was, um, there was all types of things that were going on. And I asked them the question one day. I said, have you just truly surrendered it to God? Right? They had tried everything that man, they knew man could possibly do. All the doctors, all these different things. And he said, you know what? We haven't. I said, well, why don't you try that? Why don't you just try handing it over to God? Y'all, literally two and a half years ago, I get a phone call one day. I'm riding out here right past the north side ball fields. We, we live right back here in Wellesley. I get a phone call, pick it up. There's crying on the other end. I pull over on the side of the road. So there's this grown man pulled over in his truck, all right? And they tell me, he said, you won't believe this. We're pregnant. And their comments was, nothing is impossible with God. Nothing. And here I am, I'm bowling in the truck. And uh, because, y'all, that's the reality for us today. No matter what, God has a purpose and a place and a time for everything in your life. And he just says, listen, I need you to be strong and remain faithful to me. If you do that, I promise you, at the right time, I'll show up. But do you have enough faith to wait? Do you have enough faith to wait? I want everybody to bow your head, close your eyes, and I want to ask you this question. Do you have a faith like that? Do you have a faith? When you think about Sarah's life... All those good things and all those bad things, those stumbling blocks, those times she messed up, the times she tried to play uh, the part of helping God out, the time that she tried to jump ahead of God, the time that she said, hey, I want to do it this way or my way. Do you have enough faith in the midst of all that, what's going on in your life, your marriage, you're with your kids, with your, with your parents, with your job? Are you willing to entrust God enough to say, I know that nothing is impossible with you? 
Maybe you're in here this morning and you're saying, you know what, that's us. We're struggling with having children and we don't know what to do. Know this, nothing is impossible with God. And he took Sarah at an old age and he brought to life a son in her life, a frustration that had just filled her life. Do you believe that God could bring something alive in your life? Do you have a faith like that? To stay committed in your marriage, to work harder at it. Do you have a, a faith that says, I will not walk away. I will not turn away. I will not try to play God, but I will be obedient to you. Do you entrust God with all that you have? Because the reality is this morning, is that God wants to take it from you. He wants you to be strong and know that you're not going by yourself and that he goes before you and that he has a perfect plan for your life. But are you willing to let go? Nothing is impossible for God. And so if you're here this morning and you've never asked Jesus into your life, I would love just to lead you through a prayer real quick. And our staff would love the opportunity to meet you. You can connect with us online. You can do all those type of things. We would love to walk alongside you and to let you know about this faith that is only found in a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And so if you're here this morning, you've never asked Jesus into your heart, I, let this be this moment that you say, dear God, I know that I can't do this by myself. I know that all things are possible through you. I know that you died on the cross for me. I know that you shed your blood for me. I know that you rose from the dead and that you are the savior of my life. The times I feel that I'm drowning, you were there to save me. Father, we pray that as if people pray that, as they watch online, that they would know that nothing is impossible with you. But it starts with a relationship with you. And then we pray for everybody else that's in this room, that as they get ready to walk out, to go on to their busy lives, that they would be willing to say, you know what? I'm gonna have that conversation. I'm gonna talk. I'm gonna trust. I'm gonna believe that God can do all things because it says in his word that he can. And then think about Sarah, that he took all her imperfections and he used her for something amazing. That's the same God that we serve this morning. And so God, I pray their hearts would be stirred and that we would go out and boldly proclaim the truth that comes through you. So Father, thank you for this time. And it's in your name that we pray. Amen.